0: You are tuned in to Sacred Heart Catholic Church in Broussard, Louisiana. Let's catch up with Father Michael Delcum as he breaks open the readings for today. So you heard the story. Andrew and another disciple were with John the Baptist. John the Baptist points to Jesus and in a Celebratory fashion says behold the lamb of god you go follow him the disciples go they begin to follow jesus jesus turns around sees them asks them that beautiful question what are you looking for it's a question we can all ask ourselves and they say jesus we want to we want to come with you we want to we want to come learn from you we want to come sit at your feet so they go and spend time with him and andrew realizes that they may be in the presence of the Messiah. So Andrew goes, gets his brother, Simon, and tells his brother, Simon, we think we found the one. We think we found the one that our people have been waiting for, that our people have been longing for. We think we have found the Messiah. And so Simon comes with Andrew to be with Jesus. First time he meets Jesus. And Jesus looks at Simon and says, Simon, son of John, from now on you will be called Peter. Which is translated, the rock. Jesus gives Simon a new name. Isn't that interesting? Have you ever met someone? First time you meet him. You just tell him, I'm going to call you by a different name. Kind of bold. Kind of interesting. What exactly was Jesus doing? How could Jesus get away with this? Well, the, we know that the rock will soon become understood why Jesus wants to call Simon the rock. He will be the foundation of the church. He will become the first pope on which Jesus will build the church. Jesus, when he looked at Simon, was able to see Peter. What do you think about this? When Jesus looked at Simon, he was able to see the man that he was to become. Simon couldn't see it. His brother couldn't see it. The other disciples with Jesus couldn't see it. But Jesus could see it. And what Jesus was about to do for the next three years was that Jesus was about to pull Peter out of Simon. He was going to pull the saint out of the fisherman. He was going to pull the man that he saw that no one could see. The man that was going to change completely by following in being around Jesus. Simon was not Saint Peter when Jesus called him, but Jesus saw Saint Peter. After spending time with him, he he would begin to change his thoughts, his behaviors, his habits, his attitudes. He would become a saint. But it was only through the process of spending more time with Jesus, the process of conversion, the process of giving his life over to Jesus as he pulled this man out of him, St. Peter. So I want to ask you the question, how many of you in here want to be a saint? Some of you took that literally, some of you just kind of took that um, just kind of generically, maybe inside you were thinking about it. Just a random thought that's kind of scary, but real. You know, if we don't want to be a saint, I want you to think about this. Everyone in heaven is a saint. I mean, we kind of formally name a few saints because they live heroic, virtuous lives and they live model lives and we know they're a saint because we ask their intercession and they pray for us and those prayers come true because they're interceding and so we are assured that they're in heaven. But everyone in heaven is a saint. So subtly, indirectly, if you guys don't want to be a saint, what you're saying is, I'm content with hanging out the rest of my life in somewhere other than heaven. I'm not saying I'm okay with that, but I'm saying that's what you're saying. So maybe it might give you another idea. It might help you rethink, well, maybe I do want to be a saint. So what do I have to do to be a saint? Jesus calls Simon and says, I will make you a saint. I'm gonna call you Peter. I'm gonna make you the rock, the foundation of my church. I am gonna do great things through you, Peter. I am gonna take you away from being a fisher of fish and be a fisher of men. And that takes time, that takes conversion, that takes work. So my question to you is, are you willing to do the work? Are you willing to let God do work in you? Are you willing to let God change you? Because God wants to make all of us in here saints. He does. When God looks at you, when he looks at me, he sees someone that you are unable to see. He sees someone of greatness. He sees who he created you to be, his son and his daughter. He sees a vessel that if you would simply be open to his grace, he could change the world through you. We could all be saints if we would let God change and move in our lives. If we would give God our mind and our heart and our will. If we would give God our fear of what it might mean for us to grow in holiness. So today I want to help you take one step to becoming a saint. I want to help you take one step to allow Jesus to pull the Peter out of you that he sees. Are you ready? Wow. Wow. Just storming heaven. I mean, we are storming heaven. We're like knocking the door open. Listen. For those of you who are ready, we are going to talk about 2021, how to make 2021 a year where you grow in holiness. I'm not sure if you made a New Year's resolution yet. I'm not sure if you made a goal yet this year, but I'm going to help you make at least one goal this year. If I want to grow personally, I often look at areas that I'm weak in. I often look at areas that I want to grow in. And if I want to grow in holiness, I want to look at one area that I keep hurting God the most because I don't want to keep hurting God the most. I want to look at an attitude. I want to look at a behavior. Our church calls that sins or vices. Today, I want to talk about seven deadly sins And I want to talk about the opposite of those sins, which is called virtues. The church over the history of time has basically said, look, all of our sins can be wrapped up into seven of them, the main ones. And if we want to grow in holiness, we would work on the opposite of those seven sins, which is a virtue. Peter, formerly known as Simon, probably had a lot of those sins in his life. He certainly had more than he did three years later. But he began to work on them. He began to change his behaviors. He began to change his attitude. And so today, as you are listening to this homily, what I want you to think of is, what is my dominant sin? What is my predominant sin? We all have sin. We all can go to confession and and name ten sins. But... There is one sin in our life that kind of elevates itself. It kind of rises to the surface. It's the sin that we would call the one thing that most gets in my way of growing in holiness. It most hurts God. So I want you to be listening, and I want you to identify your dominant sin today. It could mean the difference between... And... So maybe a little motivation to listen, right? Okay. Whew, here we go. First one. Gluttony. It's a deadly sin. We all have heard it. We all kind of know about it. Gluttony, right? Gluttony typically in a simple way. I, I eat or I consume whatever I need and I'm full. And then I go back. And I keep eating. Gluttony at its heart is is wanting more than I really need. I can be a glutton for food, but I can be a glutton for so many other things. I can be a glutton for money. I can be a glutton for possessions. I can be a glutton for fill in the blank. Gluttony. Seeking comfort from food, for drink, rather than seeking comfort from the Lord. It's basically a lack of discipline in my life when I've had enough. Choosing to allow enough to be enough. Perhaps gluttony is your main sin, your dominant sin. Maybe it's not. We're going to talk about the opposite virtue in a little later, but I want you to be thinking about these things, thinking about your own life. How can you grow in holiness? We're going to pick one thing. Second one is greed. Do I want more than I need? Do I constantly seek to obtain more money, more power, more things, the next bigger, better, brighter Object, do I lack the desire to share with others? Always wanting, always looking to consume towards me. I'm never really other-centered. Greed, we've gone over gluttony, we've gone over greed. Third one is sloth, or just a laziness. Do you procrastinate, put things off simply because you don't want to do it? Lacking the motivation and drive to accomplish and finish things. It's basically, I know there's some things I need to do. I just don't feel like doing it, so I'm not going to do it. I live off of how I feel rather than doing things because it's the right thing to do. It's something I need to do. Sloth. It's a deadly sin. Fourth one is wrath or anger. Anger is not always a sin. Sometimes there's righteous anger. But this type of anger that you're you're short-tempered, you're easily agitated with people around you. You want to change them. You're, You're quick to point out their faults. You snap, you judge, you hold resentment. You don't really accept people as they are. You want to change them because they agitate you. Lack of ability to let Words or actions roll off for your back. Wrath. The fifth one, envy. I'm always looking at what other people have. I'm always jealous of what other people have. I'm never content with what I have. I always want and compare myself to other people. They're always more beautiful than me. They're always smarter than me. They're always more athletic than me. They're always getting the brakes, and I never get the brakes. I want the type of house they have. I want the type of car they have. I, I want this. I want this. I'm never content with what I have. Always jealous of what everyone else has. Pride. Find it difficult to admit when I'm wrong or to ask for forgiveness. I have difficulty having healthy conversations with someone who disagrees with me. I feel like I'm always have to be first, always have to be recognized. Pride. The last one would be lust. Do I use other people for my personal benefit? Or look at pictures or videos that degrade the dignity of the human person or my marriage. Or think of others in a way that results in sinful thoughts or actions or behaviors. I lack the strength to only love people for who they are. And I want to use people for what I can get out of them we can lust in so many different ways but lust is something that enters into our heart and it keeps us from being able to love. These are all seven deadly ways in which you are being kept from being the saint that God's calling you to be. You ever had a um you ever had a drain that really didn't drain well? It's kind of nasty, right? Like you're taking a shower and it just gets kind of it's kind of clogged and the water starts building up. You ever take a shower, like, standing in, like, standing water? That's nasty. You ever, like, had a sink, and, you know, you go to, like, run some stuff in the sink, and it just Ugh. It starts, like, bubbling up, like, like the, the do, like the nasty stuff comes out, right? What's the solution? Like, you're thinking, there must be something clogged in the drain, because what's supposed to happen is I run water, the water goes in the drain, and it goes wherever that water goes but something's not working. There's some plaque, there's some buildup, there's something. I need to put something like Drano in this pipe to unclog so it flows freely. Same thing with us and God. Like the grace of God wants to flow freely through our lives, but we have obstacles. We have Things that get in the way of God changing our whole life. And they're our sin. They're our behaviors. Sometimes we're attached to these vices, these seven deadly sins. And so this year, I want you to identify one sin. That's your dominant sin. And we're going to work on the opposite. You ready to talk about the opposite? Here we go. Those of you who identify with gluttony, I want you to work on self-control. This whole year. I'm asking you to work on one thing, self-control. You can work on self-control with little things and eventually work up to big things. What's What's an example of a little thing? You wake up and your alarm goes off. This is super little, right? You ready? Instead of hitting snooze, you actually get up out of the bed. You're exercising self-control. You know, I can hit the snooze, but just because I can doesn't mean I should, and I'm going to get out. Oh, that's one exercise. You know what? I can say yes, and I can say no. You go brush your teeth. This is like first two minutes of the day. You come out of your room, and your bed is unmade. I don't want to make up the bed somebody else will make it up. Whoa, stop. Go make up your bed. You didn't want to, but you chose to. Self-control. Imagine if you would do that all throughout the day. So when the big things come, when the big temptations come, when the gluttony comes, right? The, you cook a big meal, everything's in front of you. You eat and you're full. You actually feel full. You can say, you know what? i'm gonna say no because i've been saying no all day and i'm capable of saying no food or drink do not control me okay practice that write it down greed for those of you who struggle with greed try being more generous now this is going to hurt people who are greedy they're just greedy we we, we wanna have everything. We wanna keep everything. Our focus is on us. What you wanna work on is giving things away. Giving little things, giving big things. You want to know where it hurts, give like money away. Give your possessions away. Give things that you really love away. You'll begin to see how much these things have control over you. And as you give them away, you will become free. Your heart will become free. You'll be able to notice more and more the needs of other people around you. Work on being generous if you struggle with greed. Third thing, sloth. Just lazy. Just don't feel like it, right? Work on being diligent at your task. Be very clear what you need to do, and just do it because you need to do it, not because you feel like doing it. Work on doing things that you don't feel like doing, but you know you need to do. Four, wrath or anger. Just try forgiving people. Intentionally try forgiving people. I know it's hard because your core sin is wrath and anger. But try and pray, God, help me to forgive the people who have hurt me. Look over your life and see who are the people you keep holding on to with resentment and bitterness. Try forgiving them. Envy, those of you who are envious of other people. Try being grateful. Try looking at your life and actually taking an assessment of everything you have as a blessing from God. I know some people do a, a gratitude journal. They just go through and like every day I I'm going to do 10 things that I'm grateful for. I'm grateful for the fact that I can breathe. I'm grateful for the fact that I have, five, you know, 10 fingers, 10 toes. I'm grateful that I still have a little bit of hair. Like I'm grateful that I can see. I'm grateful that I can hear. The more I become aware of how much I have and the more I'm grateful for it, the less I'm going to want what I don't have. Work on gratitude. Pride. Oh, look at me. I'm the best preacher in the world. Everybody wants to hear me. Mr. Me Planet, right? Pride. What might I work on? complimenting other people. Like actually looking at other people and actually affirming them, trying to lift other people up around me. It's going to exercise my strength and muscles to actually build people up because prideful people tend to often tear people down. They want the focus on them. If I'm intentionally looking at other people, trying to affirm other people, building them up, I'm practicing Humility. And finally, lust. Just stirring up lust, stirring up just this, this desire to use other people for my own benefit. Work on chastity. Like, let's get practical. Let's look at how we're using these phones. Let's look at how we're using our computer. Let's look at how we're using our time when we're bored, when we're angry, when we're tired, when we're lonely. What are we doing? Can I pick up a good, healthy habit? rather than the things that lead me to lust. A chaste heart. Single people can lust. Married people can lust. Lust gets in our heart, and it it tears away our ability to love. Let's practice chastity. All of these things. It's one way that Jesus will be able to pull the saint out of you. He is on your side. Jesus is actually right now laboring to love you. He is pouring out all kinds of grace on you and in you to help you be the saint that you want to be. This year I'm asking you to work on one thing. Name your core sin. Name the virtue that you can work on to fight against that sin. And I guarantee if you work on it each day, if you ask the Lord to make some headway in this area of your life, I assure you at the end of the year, you will be closer to holiness than you are now. The alternative is we don't do anything. We don't do anything. And we will miss out on what God is doing. Amen?